You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? I am excellent. What can I help you with? Um, okay, so basically I had a couple of questions to spew off on and discuss. Um, so basically I'm going to be entering my senior year. I'm a biology major. Um, and I have a little bit of um, a GPA issue. Uh, right now I have a 3.6 cumulative GPA and then a 3.34 science GPA. So I'm expected to take about eight credits of um, science class the next year. I'm going to take my full senior year where um, I'll graduate in, the, in May and spring. So I was planning on still, you know, taking up some science classes and trying to bring my GPA up. So okay. my question was, if I don't achieve that perfect 4.0 in terms of science classes, do you recommend the postback? Like, let's say if I do end up getting the 3.7, 3.8, 3.9, would you still recommend a postback or an S&P? What would, what would you say? Yeah, it's it's really hard without looking at every single piece of data, right? Your your three, three, four, whatever it is for your science GPA. Uh, what does that look like right now? Uh, what do the trends look like right now? And so, do you have any sort of trend right now? And is this last year of courses? You said about eight credits or eight classes of science. Uh, eight credits. So, so like, it'd be two four-credit classes. For each semester or just one four-credit semester and then one four-credit in another semester? Oh, sorry. I should have made myself more clear. Uh, for the upcoming fall semester. For the upcoming fall semester, you have eight credits. And then what about the spring? The spring, I'm thinking of taking about like um, eight credits as well again. Okay. So potentially 16 more credits that you have left ideally as you mentioned right 4.0 you're you're getting a's in those those last 16 credits but what are what are the previous 16 credits look like right if if your previous 16 credits are like a 38 your next 16 credits are a 38 then you have 32 credits at a 38 and that's a very different decision matrix and algorithm than your last 16 credits being a 30 and your next 16 credits being a 38 does that make sense Right. Okay. So, so what does that look like for you? So, um, last semester, technically this semester in spring mm-hmm. 2023, uh, I took about, uh, I think I took, it was my 10 credits. I actually got a straight 4.0 that semester. Okay. Um, How many and, were then science? This, and science as well. I got like a straight 4.0 that semester. But, but how many of the credits were science? Um, about, I think it was, Trying to calculate it. I think it was 10 credits. Okay. So 10 credits of science at a 4.0. Yes. Okay, great. And what about the semester before that? So the fall of 22. So the fall 22, um, it was a little bit of a tougher semester. I took biochemistry, so I was very rigorous in my class Mm -hmm. um, at my school specifically. But I think I took, I believe I took, it was seven credits. And I got B's in those, so it put me at around a 3.5. So put together that semester, like the whole year, it was a 3.67. For your sciences? Yes. So you had 
Well, three. Uh, did you get B's or B pluses? I got um, a B plus in the lecture, an A in the the lect the lab that comes with the lecture, okay. and then for biochem, I got a B minus. A B minus. Okay. Yes. So it can't be a three five. Right, because a B minus is two seven, a B plus is three three. Okay. If if those credits are equal, that's a three zero, right? If 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 you're saying you you got a B plus in the lecture and that's three credits theoretically, and you got a B minus in a three credit lecture, those even out to a three zero, right? Oh right. Okay. Okay, and then the A. Um, in your your lab is great, but that's the lab's typically only one credit, so it doesn't have a ton of impact. So potentially three o ish uh, for uh, your last seventeen eighteen credit hour, something like that. Yes. Okay. So, so that's the big difference, right? If you have a three o your last sixteen, and then hopefully a four o your next sixteen. If we were only to look at your last ten. 4.0, wonderful, right? So, and this is where some of the slicing and dicing and, and just the hoping and praying comes in uh, in this process is if you have 16 credits that you're going to take moving forward and you get a 4.0, you have mm -hmm. your 10 credits from last semester, from this past spring semester at a 4.0. Now you have 26 credits at a 4.0. Is that enough for medical schools to go, yeah, we trust you, right? We trust your ability. Now the question is, well, what were those classes? So then we can get even more nitpicky and go, well, was it the easiest science classes that you could find? Or were they really good upper division science courses that a medical school will look at and go, oh, yeah, right? Those, those, are, uh, those are really in-depth, really hardcore science classes we believe in your ability to, to do well in medical school. Right. And so okay. really at the end of the day, this is where uh, it's frustrating for students because we can't just look at an equation and go, oh yes, you're ready to apply. Oh no, you're not ready to apply. A lot of it is just a, uh, a lot of it is just a risk benefit equation of, I know my GPA is not the best, but I have almost 30 credit hours at, close to a 4.0, if not a 4.0, um, that's got to be good enough, right? I, I'm ready to apply, and hopefully there's a med school out there that will look at that and think that it's enough. And some medical schools won't think it's enough, and some medical schools may think it's enough. And it, it's just this game that you have to play. Or do you go, you know what? I don't want to risk it. I don't want to spend my money applying to medical school knowing that I should probably do another year of post-bac work, SMP work, and get even more credits at a 4.0. And it's just, at the end of the day, it's what is your comfort level with applying, knowing that your trend may be a little bit shorter than some schools may want to see. Right, okay. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to consider that as well. Um, just because I wasn't too sure and I wasn't sure how many credits I know, like sometimes you look at the 40 credits or I was like, am I taking enough credits? So I definitely have to consider that apart. Maybe I could try yeah. adding some more classes just in case. But Well, that's, that's the, the, the trouble, right? It, do you add more classes, potentially put more on your plates and then you do worse grade wise because you added too much to your plate. 
So right. you have to balance everything and, and know that your number one goal is to show academic ability and to get as close to a 4.0 as possible. Okay, sounds good. So would you say that, um, like, even if, like, because, I mean, I, I, do you mind if I share my GPA trends, too, if possible? That might give a little context. I, we, we just talked about it. I don't know how much more we talked through it. It's okay. up to you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know, because I'm, like, kind of in a conflict. I mean, from my freshman year, I started off with the 3.01. Then I started off, then sophomore year was a 3.32, and now it's been – from what I calculate, I definitely have to do the math again for junior year, but it came out to a 3.67 when I put okay. in the classes that I did. Okay. Did you use mapped at all? I think I did use mapped, yes. Okay. I mean, you, you shouldn't have to calculate anything. It should install. It's all in there. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So just far, just take, take what I told you and, and use that as you're looking at your graphs. And again, the majority of it is just going to be your comfort level with applying, knowing that you could potentially do some more work. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Totally understand that. Um, so veering off the GPA, since thank you for answering about that. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually curious about um, the MCAT a little bit. So uh, I was supposed to take my, I didn't schedule for one yet, but I was supposed to take it this upcoming January. Okay. Um, but the thing was something personal ended up coming. So I, potentially have to push back that date a little bit. I've been prepping so far a little bit, you know, going over the Kaplan review books, doing a little bit of Anki and doing some Jack Weston just to prepare. It's just, um, I was wondering, um, would you say that like, and, and also it's like highly dependent, but I was thinking of pushing it to March or April. Would you say that might be veering it towards the application cycle a little too much? Like would I be able to get the scores in by the time I want to possibly apply? Yeah, ideally, our I, our ideal time frame is, is at the latest March or April, right? You can take it June, July, August, and sometimes still be okay. Um, but March or April is perfectly fine. Okay, okay. And it would take about a, a, like a month or so, right, to ver that my score and all will be received, and then yep. I could turn it in? Yep, okay. score takes about a month to get back. Okay, sounds good. I just wanted to make sure about that because I know that, like, you know, if I do decide to apply without the post bag per se, I just want to make sure that, you know, my application kind of gets received a little earlier in the cycle than later because I'm not sure about that. But thank you very much for that. Yeah. Um, so that knocks off two questions. Yeah. Um, what else? I was a little more curious about my clinical experience. Yeah. So um, what happened was, uh, I was, I've been volunteering at the, uh, my local emergency department. So I've been volunteering there since about like senior, uh, sophomore year of college. And now I started actually about like two, three months ago. Um, I've been volunteering at an oncology department too. And I used to work as a PTA before back in like the summer of sophomore year. But the thing was, I just felt like it was more just in a physical therapy setting and I wanted to branch out more. So yep. that's why I actually went to the oncology department and the emergency department. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm just kind of curious, would this really count as clinical experience or not? Because I know a lot of people are EMTs and scribes and I'm wondering, should I go out and get that too or kind of stick with what I have? Well, the, the problem is, and I'm assuming you're asking about the volunteer in the oncology clinic. That's, that's what you're asking. Is it clinical? 
Yes, is that kind yeah. of cool? So, so the problem is you didn't tell me anything, right? You just said, I'm a volunteer. Well, are you a volunteer toilet scrubber? Are you a volunteer floor scrubber? Are you a volunteer uh, light bulb changer? What are you volunteering? What are you doing? Right, okay. So um, at the oncology department, I usually serve lunches to the patients. So I discuss with the patients, like, okay, what type of um, lunch would you like? Um, hand them out, you know, juices, certain refreshments or snacks that they'd be uh, comfortable, you know, having according to their diet, yeah. uh, talking to the nurses about, you know, is this type of food specifically yeah. okay? So you're, for them you're doing food service stuff. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I wouldn't consider that clinical. Okay. So it, even just talking to them about like what type of food and like trying to get to know them that way wouldn't count as clinical experience in any I, way. I, I, I mean, you're, you're, a server, basically, right? Right. Just happens to be in a clinical setting. Okay, I understand. Yeah, I, I wouldn't count that as clinical. Now, could you market on your application as clinical? Sure, you're, you're free to market however you want, but I wouldn't count that as clinical, personally. Okay, understood. Um, and then what about, like, the emergency department? Like, there, I usually... Um, I usually like, you know, hand out pillows and all if some, some of the paid, the visitors that come with them, you know, I'd hand out the, it's kind of similar to like, in the sense, like sometimes handing them out lunches, but for the most part with the patients, I usually hand them out like pillows, blankets. If they need someone to talk to, I'd kind of read out the situation and talk to them. Um, if they occasionally, if the nurses need help, they'd call me over and then I'd go be able to transport a patient and all. Would you consider that clinical enough to, or that, not? Really? That sounds more clinical. Okay. Um, but again, it's it's not the best interaction, right? You're not uh, interacting uh, as as much as possible, but talking to them, transporting them, doing that kind of stuff, I would probably lean on that one as a little bit more clinical. A little more clinical. Okay. It's, it's hard. Uh, it's it's not like a, a, the the ones you mentioned, right? Being a scribe, being an EMT, being a phlebotomist, being a medical assistant—the ones where you are interacting with those patients—that those are a little bit more clear cut. Um, so it's just uh, a matter of how you talk about it. So you could talk about it on your application. I would just be careful. Don't, uh, don't focus on all the non-clinical things, right? Uh, a lot of students will go, uh, as a volunteer in the emergency department, I stocked shelves. Like, don't talk about that. <laughs> talk about the clinical right. stuff if you're going to market as clinical. Okay. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, definitely don't want to. I mean, that is one of my roles too, but I mainly try to immerse myself more with interacting with patients and trying to really get to know them and somewhat yeah. alleviate their suffering and pain while they're there at the department. So yeah, I don't really want to focus more on the other non-clinical aspects. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'll definitely look into, um, you know, acquiring some more clinical experience because that definitely does it adds a little bit of a factor against me. Um, and then uh, I actually had one more question uh, slipped my mind. So it's regarding my personal statement. So I've been working a little bit on it, but so far I haven't really, I feel like I still, I feel like I've found my seed, but I just haven't been able to articulate it well. So how would you go about saying that? Like I, I've been affected, you know, personally by family, and that's why it's desiring my, um, sorry, cementing my decision to go into medicine. I'm just wondering, like, you know, how would I go about putting that? And it's instead of sounding and making it sound so heartbreaking, but also reveal my decision as to becoming a doctor. 
I, I'm not sure I understand what the what the concern is. It sounds like you understand what you need to do. What's what's the concern? I guess just kind of like putting it like together. That's you just, just got to write biggest. it, right? Yeah. Stop thinking about it and write it, and then get some feedback and and think about it and let it sit for a little bit, and then go back and and look at it again. And is it getting across the message that you want to get across? And this is where a, a lot of students struggle: is they 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 try to to just um, uh, brute force their way through thinking about it, right? And you're you're right. editing it all in your head. You just need to get it onto paper, right? Just type it all out in, in Word or Google Docs or whatever. Just word vomit yourself, uh, and then and then massage it and see what it sounds like. Is it is it telling your story the way that you want to tell your story? Is it not? Uh, and just go through edit after edit after edit after edit, right? Good personal statements take probably a dozen or so edits, if not more. So you just got to, got to go and go and go and go and go. And that's, we, we have uh, personal statement feedback uh, sessions with students. If, if that's something you're interested in, you can, you or anyone else watching can, can go to medicalschoolhq.net. We have a small team of advisors that help with that kind of stuff. Um, that's what pays the bills for us to do all this other free stuff that we do. Right. Um, but it's, it's just a matter of doing it. Right. Again, for for us, the personal statement is, why do you want to be a doctor? Mm -hmm. And so I have written about in my my personal statement book, which is too far away to grab um, the the personal statement. I have this this kind of idea, this framework, which you don't have to use, but it's just a way to think about it is what is the seed? What was that exposure to healthcare? that made you think about becoming a physician. It was, it was interesting. I was watching a TikTok video yesterday and it wasn't a TikTok video about medicine. But it was one of those, hey, what do you do for a living? How much money do you make uh, type videos? What advice do you have? And it was, it was a cardio and thoracic surgeon. And the guy's like, oh, like what got you into becoming a, a surgeon? And, and <laughs> the guy's like, well, for me, it was, it was when my, I think it was his grandmother. It was his, uh, it was his mom. Uh, his mom uh, I think died, bled out during childbirth, I think is what he said. Mm-hmm. And so he had that experience as a child, seeing his mom uh, in this situation, not being helped. It's it's the most common story out there, right? It's not cliche. Yeah. It's just common. So that, that was his seed, right? I'm going to be a surgeon so that no other child has to live through what I lived through. That is so many of you out there. So don't be afraid to tell it because that's your story. So what is your seed? That's, that was his seed. What is your seed? And then you talk about watering the seeds. So what are those experiences where you're interacting with patients and fulfilling this idea of like, yeah, I like taking care of people. This is, this is really what I want to do. And you're helping the, the readers look at that and, and understand that. Okay. But you okay, just got to write it. Sense. Stop thinking. Just, just write. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with me. I was like, <laughs> like okay. It's not just, just you, my friend. <laughs> There's a reason I have a, a, I need some stickers in here. I, I have the overthinking pre-med club uh, sticker. That's just, it's, it's apropos. Okay. Yeah. I'll make sure to <laughs> do that and follow that advice. Um, and a little bit, um, actually brings me a little bit to a question. So I've been like, you know, whatever like experiences that I'm doing, whatever I immerse myself in, I journal it, you know, just so I have an idea of, okay, this is what I have, right? This is my experience, my takeaway, what, how significant it was to me. So let's say like in, even though I'm not applying yet, let's mm-hmm. say I'm um, filling in like an AMCAS like description box, right? Like I describe this particular story. It's not, it's not right if I use that same story to 
use it later in my personal statement, right? That just sounds kind of like redundant. Like they've seen it twice, right? Like yeah, I, I wouldn't use the same story, the same okay. activity all the time, right? Because the activities that are typically the watering events in your personal statement are going to be activities that you need to put in your per in your activity section. And mm -hmm. I've seen the mistakes students will make. I'm like, why don't you have any shadowing? And they're like, well, I wrote about it in my personal statement. I'm like, but it still needs to be in your activity section. And there are two different sections. You have to think of them siloed as independent things that uh, if someone's just looking at your personal statement, they understand why you want to be a doctor. And if someone's looking at your, at your activities, they'll understand kind of what you've been up to. And just because you wrote about it in your personal statement doesn't mean you leave it out of your activities. So not the same story, but the same activity the same event. Okay, I understand. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. That's perfect. And um, regarding actually shadowing, even though it's still a little bit wild to like, you know, for me to apply, I was just wondering, um, I know like since I've done like multiple shadowing experiences, it's best to kind of just group them into one. Um, you know, I, like I wouldn't say it's best. That is just one thing to do. And it's, it's one that okay. I typically recommend because shadowing is so passive typically. Right. that there isn't a lot of impact. There's not a lot that you can show through your description about who you are. There are some activities or some shadowing activities out there. Students are like, but I did X, Y, and Z. I'm like, well, then it really wasn't shadowing, but yeah, go ahead and write about it uh, and have a description and all this fun stuff. But a lot of times it's, it's completely fine to just list all the, the different physicians you've shadowed and, and the date ranges and hours and stuff. Okay, sounds good. There's no right and, or wrong there. Okay, <laughs> thank you. And like regarding like listing like the person to contact, right? Like let's say you did a like, like my first two shadowing experiences were at the same hospital and then I'm shadowing in like a completely different like outpatient clinic. Would you, yep. you'd still recommend putting like the two different people to contact, right? Or I would just put the most recent person. Most recent person? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what some students do is, is, they'll put the most recent person in like the formal contact area for that activity. And then for each line, it'll be Dr. Smith phone number, date range of shadowing hours of shadowing. And so you could, you could put a phone number for each, each physician. Typically that's a little overkill. There's a 99, 99.9% 9 chance that um, these people, your, your contacts will not be contacted, but that's one way of doing it. Okay. So, as okay. long as it makes sense. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Good luck. Great questions. Uh, you mentioned a ton of great MCAT resources. One that you didn't mention, though, was the amazing Blueprint MCAT free resources. Go to blueprintmcat.com, sign up for a free account. You get a half-length diagnostic, a full-length exam. Uh, you mentioned Anki. They have their own flashcard platform with over 1,600 expertly crafted flashcards all right there. So go check them out as well. Sounds great. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. 